0: Um, And there's one thing that we dread more than um, even people sort of saying like, I disagree with you. If you have friends with kids and a big family, it's that you can no longer be around my children. Um, And so I had to deal with that. I had to face that conversation and that statement, um, which was very heartbreaking um, for me. Let's begin, Blank paper and pen. Stories to tell, battles to win.
1: Deep breath and count let let's, 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 let's begin, What up folks, this is Leroy Barber with the Sit Up Podcast. We are thankful that you're with us again. Uh, We're always thankful for those who, who are listening in and following along on the many topics. We, uh, remember you can hit us up uh, at Sit Up Podcast on Facebook. You can also send questions or comments to me at Leroy Barber on my Instagram or Twitter or Leroy Barber on my Facebook. You can get us uh, any any of those ways. Today, we want to look at the topic uh, at hand uh, for the United Methodist Church. This topic, of course, many of you heard and have seen and followed last week uh, around the LGBTQIA community and whether they were going to be fully included in the United Methodist Church, meaning uh, being taking out of what they call the book of discipline uh, language that says homosexuality is not compatible with Christian teaching. So that has raised, of course, a number of issues. And we know the United Methodist Church isn't the only denomination uh, having these kinds of conversations um, and where we've seen um, large gatherings uh, for these denominations ending in splits. But here is the thing. There are so many questions out there. I you know. I, I, I've been around for about a year um, working with the United Methodists in the greater Northwest area. I received so many messages uh, and uh, text uh, on Tuesday of last week. As if I had been a lifelong Methodist. A number of those questions having to do with. You know, how does this issue intersect with race? Leroy, tell me how this is intersecting with race from your perspective. And that makes me ask questions back, questions like, well, yes, it does intersect with race. And, and what does that mean going forward? Why is this so important? Why are we silent? Why why can't you talk about this issue? Why can't we why can't we communicate with a community of people who we know have been marginalized? Right. What what mistakes do we make? Right. It, you know, many aren't a part of the community and don't know what to say and don't know um what you know how they should approach certain things what what, like we've made mistakes I've made mistakes how do we how do we learn more I don't know how we learn if we don't have conversations I don't learn I don't know how we learn if we don't talk so how do we do that right Uh, in a city where I live in where there's a number of homeless youth Seventy percent of homeless youth in our city, they're saying are queer. They're they're youth who've been thrown out of their houses and living on the streets. Do you think that's a problem? Do you, do, do you think because people are queer, they shouldn't have homes There are a number of denominations that you can't even be a member of. We're not talking about issues around leadership. You can't be a member of their churches if you are part of the queer community. Is that a problem? Right. What does that mean? Right now, I I also I also want to throw out in this conversation Like some, you know, many say, hey, you know, they this is a sin. They are sinners. Well. If you are a pastor and that is the road you're taking, how many sinners do you not allow to be members of your church? Right. Or of your denomination. Right. I, I, I think pastors deal with sinful things every single day. So how is this different? if that's if that's the perspective you're coming from, how is this different? I think there are a lot of questions I think I think I think we don't have good conversations around this. I don't think the conversations um, necessarily people want to talk about it because they're uncomfortable. The sit-up podcast is here and part of what we want to do, part of what we want to represent is public discourse. So you can talk about it. We're going to bring people on to talk about it. We're going to bring people on with different views. We have to at least talk. I, You know, no matter where you fall on either side of, of the issues around this community... You should at least be able to talk to someone. There there should not be a denial that a person is a human being. And there are rights in which they deserve. This is Leroy Barber. This is the Sit Up Podcast. And we are going to be right back with our guests. Hang in there.
0: It can seem that nothing leaves a mark like wounds do. But the funny thing about wounds... As given time to heal, they make the most beautiful tattoos, some people call them scars, but in the eyes of the right beholder, they can be art, love doesn't keep secrets, love chooses to see, forgiving and accepting that you've been forgiven, can set you free, Let's begin, blank
1: paper and pen, stories to tell, battles to win, what up, folks? This is Leroy Barber with the Sit Up Podcast, and we are back with our guest today. Um, and uh, I'm excited about this guest because uh, I have known her for, oh, man, almost, I guess, oh, 20 years or so right now. <laughs> Only one of us is old enough for that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, and uh, she has been a good friend. We have worked together. Uh, we've cried together. We've been through a lot of stuff, and uh, I'm pretty excited Um, to have Andrea Kirksey on with us today. Um, And the reason is that, so again, y'all know know out there that the United Methodist Church and who I now uh, am a part of um, has had a rough week. uh, And that week was around um, LGBTQ inclusion, uh, how uh, the community, queer community, can connect fully in with the church, and you know that that brings a lot of conversation. That brings a lot of hurt um, as people begin to, to fight, literally, over, these, over, the, over this issue of forgetting that this issue is about people. And that's my, my thing. Like, we, to even say LGBTQ issue is a problem for me. Like, these are, these, this, this is about people. And I want to uh, keep it that way, which is why I'm happy to have my friend on today So Andrea Kirksey um, is uh, the executive director of the Door Network, uh, which is a national organization doing work in a lot of urban communities around the country. Um, She uh, is a part of the LGBTQIA community. Uh, She is uh, a queer, and um, she is queer, not a queer, is queer. Uh, (laughs) and um she's gonna tease me through this so y'all get ready but um, also married to a white woman who's a also queer Lutheran pastor so if you want to talk to somebody who is in the middle of a number of issues all at one time here she is
0: <laughs>
1: so so Andrea um, you know, there's a lot of impersonal things said, um, about you and about who you are that you have to hear and listen to. Um, um I, I, you know, I've known you for a long time and, um, our friendship has never suffered, um, and in, in any way, because you identify as queer and, but, uh, I don't think people fully understand that. Um, and I think, I think there's a lot of, a lot of, uh, um, People not talking. So, I like. I just want to open this up for you to to talk about some of the issues. Talk about some of the intersectionality of the life you live. You're a leader, um, and you're leading a national organization. So, I really just want to open it up for you to, to jump in where you wherever you want. So, All right, great. Um, first, I'm going to jump in and
0: make a few corrections. Um, my wife is a press is a minister in the Presbyterian Church. Presbyterian, Presbyterian. Not the Lutherans. I mean, we love the Lutherans too, but, you know, Presbyterian. (laughs) And um, so I went non-traditional, I went traditional on the whole marriage route and changed my name. I hyphenated. So Andrea Sawyer Kirksey um, is my, uh, I guess, legally married name. (laughs) (laughs) So. Um, so yeah, so I think, you know, when I think about just the journey that I've been on, um, and Libra, like you've known each other for over 20 years. And I think back then, and, the, the beginning of those 20 years, I was identifying as a straight woman. Um, and, uh, um, from that time to now to me being married to a woman, there was a lot of transition and, um, uh me finding myself in um, exploring my issues of sexuality and attraction and gender and all of those things. Um, and so that's been a journey that um, you have been on with me and a lot of other people have been on with me. I, too, grew up in the church and I grew up in a very conservative evangelical church. So that journey was um, one that was filled with fear and anxiety and uncertainty about who I could be and what space I could claim um, in the world. And, you know, I um, have experienced all of it. I've experienced um, some friendships that were definitely broken. Mm -hmm. Um, I've I've dealt with some relationships that have left my life, Um, even having to hear that dreaded sentence that most of us who identify as queer or gay and lesbian um, and are connected to folks who um, have a a biblical stance that um, says that that is not uh, God's best for us. Um, And there's one thing that we dread more than, Um, Even people sort of saying, like, I disagree with you. If you have friends with kids and a big family, it's that you can no longer be around my children. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I had to deal with that. I had to face that conversation and that statement, um, which was very heartbreaking um, for me. Um, because of the journey that I had been on with my friends, but I have to say that i 've experienced more beauty and more joy than heartbreak um, in this journey because you know, like our friendship, it was built in you know us fighting for justice, you know helping young people uh, be transformed and 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 see God for their calling and and be able to engage in ministry like that was the heart of our relationship and, you know, having fun and poking fun at each other and all of that good stuff, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, by the time I get to the place where I'm saying to you, like, hey, I have a wife, like, it's just Mm -hmm. another layer to what I bring to the world. Um, And that's what I think people forget is that um, people are just adding two layers of their life uh, when they choose whoever they choose to marry. Um, And that's just a part of the beautiful story for me calling you and saying like, guess what? I fell in love. Like I met the person, right? It's not even a question about who that person is. It's about you being able to celebrate that something that I was looking for and searching for, I found, and it's had this profound effect on my life. Um, And, you know, there are times where all of us hope that whatever it is that we feel like divides us between our relationships that each of us would choose one another's spiritual growth over our own emotional equilibrium. Yeah. And um that is the blessing um of good, deep, rich friendship.
1: Yeah. Well, so Andrea, like yeah, and I I I, I think that's really important for people to know and understand, right? If you're if you have friends, you have friends. If they're if they're your like I, even if, even if I, even if I was like, and I have been on a journey around this as well. I grew up the same way as you, and so um, it has taken time for me um, to figure things out as well. So I don't want to sound like I got it all together and I haven't made mistakes on this journey and or hurt queer people along the way because I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, can you also talk about um, what that meant for you? As a black woman, um, are there specific things that we need to know or be thinking about as we, as we learn more and get to understand and know, um, to know the queer, queer community?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there, are like, in a lot of communities just in America, like our deep divide against, I mean, around race, um, and, 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 uh, racialized, um, infliction and oppression uh, towards uh, the black and brown community. And that exists in the queer community also um, because of intersectionality, right? So you may have a white woman who wants to be a part of the women's march, but Mm. is also racist. (laughs) Um, And so she wants to connect with women around this idea of equity and equality around uh, issues that uh, face women, um, but it 's sort of like asking me um, can, I, can I divide my my body right So if I feel like somebody is uh, targeting me in a way that has to do with both me being a woman. Um, and me being gay, like people can't say to me, uh, so which which issue do you want to bring to tr- to trial? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bring both issues because that's who I am. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there is this marginalization, um, even in the queer community um, that has to do with race. You know, I think a lot of people um, look at movements like uh Black Lives Matter, right? But they don't really understand that, that is also a movement that has its foundation in uh, 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 femininity women's issues and uh, queer issues, right? And so uh, the, the women who have started that have been queer women. And so sometimes when people really uncover that and say, oh, They're, oh, you're also fighting for queer issues. I don't want that part. I just want to talk about Black Lives Matter. And you'll get that in a lot of the Black churches, right? When they they figure out or when they get a deeper understanding of what the actual founders of Black Lives Matter Uh also bring to the table, then they want to sort of shy away from it. They don't want to talk about those issues. They don't want to liberate queer people in their church. They don't want to accept people who are queer in their church. They want to keep them marginalized, but they also want to hang a banner that says Black Lives Matter. And that's just not the case. You can't do that. Um, You can't ask people to divide uh, their body, their very nature, and to be able to fit into the box that you feel more comfortable with. When people invite me someplace to speak, to teach, to be a part of anything, they are indeed inviting a queer black woman. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And that is what they will get. And so, you know, I may reference my wife, I may <laughs> reference mm-hmm. my oppression, I may reference Pride Week, you know, there's just no, de- there's no determining where I will go because all those things are a, powder, a part of me. And so when mm-hmm. I speak about anything, like you, you, you can be guaranteed to, to hear some of that and um,
1: sort of everything I bring to the table. Mm
0: hmm. Mm hmm.
1: So Andrew, have you heard, uh, I'm sure you have, but I, and I, I, I've heard and getting pushback around the United Methodists fighting over this issue, um, a denomination that's 94% white. Is that different um, for you? Do you look at that differently? How do you take that in? Um,
0: I take that in as them, and again, them not really being able to understand intersectionality right so they think that they're just strictly fighting this uh this this idea of inclusion around lgbtqia Mm -hmm. Uh, but as a white denomination again who have people who are not only lgbtq but are Mm -hmm. lgbtq in people of color right Mm -hmm. or people with uh that uh have uh That are fighting discrimination around um, immigration, right? Mm -hmm. Um, By them saying uh, LGBTQ folks are not included, they're not being inclusive with that. Well, if you say that to me, then you're also saying that Black women are not invited, are not included. If you say that to someone who is LGBTQ, but then you want to say that we care about immigration, well, folks who are dealing with those those issues um, are also LGBTQ. So what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to just bring their issues that they're fighting against um, about around immigration? So are you going to uh, support them with that, provide lawyers or, you know, a different kind of counsel for them? Or do you say, oh, well, we would only provide those things for you if you were, uh, just talking about immigration. Right. Mm. But because you're so it makes people who um, have this intersectionality in um, one of those sections is about being LGBTQ feel like, well, the church has nothing to offer me because, again, you can't help me as a single mom or someone who's dealing with drug addiction or someone who's fighting the the system against Immigration or poverty or any of the uh, domestic violence, Mm -hmm. because I'm always having in the back of my mind um, will you also exclude me because of my LGBTQ? Uh, IA. So, you know, when I was trying to decide on what church to go to, even before I was fully out, um, I one of my criterias was churches that did not use open and affirming language for LGBTQ um, was a signal to me that if they were unwelcoming and unaffirming about that, then they were probably drawing some pretty um, divisive lines around things around race and white supremacy and access and dealing with those issues. Because I think, you know, either you're willing to grapple with the really hard uh, subjects or you are using this measuring stick around uh, an interpretation that is problematic and uh, you're not willing to do the work to explore and to investigate and to wrestle with those things and that feels unsafe
1: for me hmm. that's interesting because where i am where i'm working right is in a in a section of the country where there have been congregations and churches that have been reconciling but yet they're still around the the, the pushback i get strongly is yes they might be reconciling but they have no people of color around or very few. And so, um, and there's a tension there with that. And so, I don't know. I don't know if you have experience in that space or lived in any of that space, but that's some of the pushback I received and um, from, from people of color who question why I'm, why I'm doing this job and in, in this place. So, didn't know yeah. if you knew. I think
0: I have two thoughts about that. One, I really believe in calling. um, And I think that some of us are called to fight in different spaces. So my wife, who is a Presbyterian uh, minister, uh, pastor, when we met, um, the Presbyterian church was at a place where there'd been some movement, but um, she could have still lost her job for being open and, and, um, out as a mm-hmm. lesbian woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, when I first met her, I sort of thought like, well, why would you be at a church that, you know, um, mm-hmm. you can't be yourself. And so she knew the history of all the battles that they were fighting, uh, before, uh, I came into her life. And she felt called to, to be a part of that church because now they have actually the Presbyterian church has actually changed the wording in their I don't I, you know I don't speak very churchy language or know all the things about Presbyterian but they have changed some language about um, a man and a woman uh, around marriage to uh, two people right. Mm-hmm. So she stayed in that, right? And I think all of us are called to these different issues that um, are, that take place in this place that we love, the church, right? Like, you know, I don't know about you, but I grew up there. Like, I have all these sure. great memories, you know? And some of that stuff, I've decided, like, I don't want that in my life. Um, and some of it, I've held on to it, but maybe I've renamed it as you know, a tradition or practice more than, you know, the gospel, right? Like this thing that you have to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for me, as an adult, even as a queer woman, I thought, I don't want to give up on the church, right? Because I love this place. I've seen the effect that it's had on my life. And Mm -hmm. so I have to think about what what battles I want to fight on behalf of the church, which is the people, right? So I think you know, all of us have to decide like what what we feel called to to in the church. And I know lots of people of color who are parts of churches and denominations that are still trying to uh, um, figure out things, both on the issue of LGBTQ and on the issue of race, right? But they're really doing the work, and so I respect. And I want to support and hold up uh, folks who feel called to stay in those places and to fight those battles um, on behalf of the beloved community. Right. So I think that is how we get to that place of the beloved community. We we get there without violence, um, but we challenge those areas of poverty racism and all the other isms and and violence, right? Um, Because we believe that what King thought was possible, right? That we could truly create this space where reconciliation could happen, but Mm -hmm. work had to be done. Um, I believe that we're all called to that. Some days I don't wanna be called to that, but Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely respect my friends and family. Who are called to that? So, yeah, there are some things that I do, even the work I do with um, DOR, the organization that I'm the executive director of, that has to do a lot with bringing white middle class folks into black and brown spaces. Mm
1: -hmm. And,
0: uh, you know, on its worst day, it's colonization, right? Like a reinforcement or, you know, building these experiences that potentially could do harm, right? But I feel called to what might happen if we do it in a way that does not bring harm, right? There's Mm -hmm. still some risk to it, but when I can see a young person being transformed to think differently, to ask deeper questions, to question um, themselves, their church, their pastor, their home, you know, all of those things for the greater good of being able to love um, all humanity in a way that is deeply uh, mutual, um, I keep showing up for that. So people say the same thing to me, like, why do you spend so much time with like white kids in the classroom, on a college level, all of these things? And it's because I feel, I feel called to that.
1: Very cool. Well, Andrew, how can people get in touch with you uh, if they have some questions for you?
0: Um, um, they can reach me at my email is andrea at... Doornetwork.org. Um I am not, you know, I'm old school like you, Leroy. Well, I think you're a little bit more tech savvy. So you probably have like a Instagram handle and uh Facebook and all of that stuff.
1: That's all right. They can just get you on your email. That's fine. Yeah, that's
0: good. That's good. That's where you can (laughs) find me on my email. I don't know what to say. Like young people would be like, I got this and you can contact me here. But I'm just sort of like, hey,
1: in the email. Yeah. Well, thanks for being on today. And folks, um, I am so honored to have this interview. And I know there'll be plenty of questions and conversations coming off of it. But we want to thank Andrea. This is Leroy Barber with Sit Up Podcast. And thanks for tuning in. ready, let's begin. let's begin, let's begin, let's begin, let's begin, let's begin, deep breath and count, count to 10. ten, let's begin, let's begin.